God is good. Amen? All the time. This morning, uh, there is a, uh, a trial that I feel like I'm in the dark. I am in the dark. All right. I don't know. Maybe you want me to be in the dark. Uh, this morning, Mike Johnson came up to me and he said, that shirt reminds me of a Kool-Aid my sister used to like in the 1960s called Goofy Grape. I don't know if I if I should have been offended or amazed that he was remembering something back that far, but uh, it was pretty interesting. But this morning we had a uh, one of those moments where you uh, were like, "Well, Lord, here's another trial. We need to persevere through it." Sheena called me and said, "We're not going to be able to make it to the service this morning because I tried to turn turn the van on and it wouldn't start." And I said, well, that's strange. I just replaced the battery not that long ago and just replaced the alternator not long before that. And I said, well, I'll, I was in the midst of doing a couple of things. I said, I'll see if I can get somebody to come pick you up. So Justin said, yeah, I'll go get them. So Justin went and got Sierra and Shelby, and the three of them came to the service. But the part that that alarmed me wasn't that the van wouldn't start, was that she said it smelled like it was on fire. It was burning. I was like, well, that's not good. So after the service... uh we went and got lunch and came back, and uh, and I tried to start it. It wouldn't start at first. Then I, as I was starting it, just gave it a lot of gas and finally turned over, but it wasn't easy to do so. So I went to Advanced Auto, and it's not the battery. It's not the alternator. It's not the starter, and, and Jack always you know, reminds me, it's got to be one of those three things. Um, well, in this case, it's not. So it's still in the uncertain category, but I've got it at a shop to look at it tomorrow. Um, but uh, God is good, and I was afraid that it was going to be stuck at my house and have to be towed. So at least it's at least it's at a place where they can look at it and repair it tomorrow. Well, this evening um, we're going to continue the series on trusting God. I will confess that it's going to be a, a short sermon because of all of my adventures this afternoon. I didn't get a chance to formally finish it, but we'll end where we end, and so. Let me remind us of the verse that we looked at last week. I hope that we all will commit this verse to memory. We're going to look at it every week we go through this series. As I mentioned, we're going to have a couple guest speakers in the weeks to come. But look with me at Psalm 9, verse 10. This is such a powerful verse. Again, I, I exhort you, encourage you to commit this verse to memory. Psalm 9, verse 10. David writes these words. A man who had been afflicted and oppressed and was running for his life and had seen many things, he says these words. Those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you and praise you that you are good and you are worthy of our trust, worthy of our worship. Lord, we know your name because you've revealed your name to us. You've revealed who you are through your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you and praise you that we know you. Lord, we thank you that you do not forsake or leave or neglect your children. 
So Lord, I pray as your children that we will seek you, that we will find you. Your word says if we will draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So Lord, I pray that you'll remind us of who you are, remind us of your power and presence in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we will, as we said last week, that we will treasure you first of all. If we are to trust you, we must first treasure you. So Lord, I pray that we will treasure you as the only God worthy of our praise. Lord, sanctify us, make us more like Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, there are many famous movie lines. I like movies, maybe a little bit too much. And for some reason with movies, you can just remember the lines. You remember this this particular line in this particular movie. Um, and And friends of mine, even myself included, memorize parts of movies. Well, there's one notable line, and well, many notable lines, but one line many people know from the movie Forrest Gump. You probably are already thinking about it. My mama said, always said, life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Well, that is a notable and memorable line because there is truth to this statement. You and I don't know what we are going to get in life. We don't know what each day will hold. It may be full of errands with car trouble or leaking toilets or a trip to the emergency room or an extended stay in the hospital or it may be a day at the beach with sunny skies or a day where you're able to read your favorite book. You and I don't know what each day will hold. But one thing we do know, many things we do know, but one thing in particular for tonight's sermon is that we know God is in control. Amen? God is in control. Like I said last week, not only is he in control, the theological term for this is that he is sovereign. He is sovereignly ruling and controlling all things. We make plans, but these plans come to pass only if they are consistent with God's sovereign plans. The Proverbs make this truth vividly clear. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16.9. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And then skip over to chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse 21. says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And one more, turn over to chapter 21. We could look at many examples in Proverbs, but here's just three. Proverbs 21, verse 30. It says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. So the Lord is supremely and sovereignly ruling the world, all nations, all peoples, all lives. He is in control of all things. So we must understand each day we live under the authority and under the sovereignty of God Almighty. So we must live our lives trusting God in every circumstance, every event, and every situation. Let me illustrate. 
I read recently a story that was humorous, but yet biblical, a good reminder. In the year 1902, a young English boy came down to breakfast, found his father reading the morning paper. Now, that's a lost art we don't see often anymore, but one that we probably should return to. He comes down, he finds his father reading the morning paper. The newspaper talked about the upcoming coronation that would take place in Britain. Remember, the year is 1902. In the middle of breakfast, the husband turned to the wife and said, Oh, I'm sorry to see this news worded like that. The wife wondered what was wrong. Well, what is it? She asked. The husband replied, Well, here is a proclamation that on a certain date, Prince Edward will be crowned king at Westminster, and there is no Deo Violante, which means God willing or Lord willing. So these words stuck in the boy's mind for the very reason that on the appointed date regarding the future Edward VII, it had to be postponed due to appendicitis. I remember talking to Scott at one point, one of his first times coming to Haven. We were talking about this date, and he said, well, we will be there, Lord willing. And he knows as a, a father who has a large family, and as Michael Ottman says, you know, there's many moving parts, you know, a lot going on. And so he, he, Michael Ottman often says, I'll be there, Lord willing. And so we don't know from one day to the next what will take place. So this father wanted his son and wife to know we must live our lives under the authority of God. So we must say, God willing or Lord willing. We must live in light that our plans are subject to God's plans. This is what James chapter 4 says. Turn with me to James 4. At the end of James 4, James writes about the one who boasts about tomorrow, the one who boasts about their plans. In James chapter 4, it says, Come now, this is verse 13, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So we must live in light of God's plans, live in subjection to God's authority. Jesus understood this principle. He articulated it right before he was crucified. Pilate said to Jesus, Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? What was Jesus' response? Jesus said, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. So Jesus recognized God's authority, God's sovereignty. So we too must trust God. We must realize that this exercise is worked out in the area and the details of our lives, but there are no boundaries. We must continually trust God. Jerry Bridges writes this. He says, We do not know the extent, the duration, or the frequency of the painful, adverse circumstances in which we must frequently trust God. It's not always trusting God in the midst of revival or in the midst of youth camp or in the midst of Bible study. 
It's trusting God in the midst of difficult circumstances. We are always coping with the unknown, yet it is just as important to trust God as it is to obey Him. When we disobey God, we defy His authority and despise His holiness, but when we fail to trust God, we doubt His sovereignty and we question His goodness. So the one thing we must remember, like we said last week, before we trust God, we must treasure God. Treasure God as the only God. So if you're a child of God, you know God and can trust the Lord God, just as we saw in in Psalm 9, verse 10. God does not forsake His children. We can know Him. We can trust Him. He prepares the way for His children. He is good and He is God. So when I ask you the question, can you trust God? Really, I'm asking you two questions in one. I'm asking you, can you trust God? But I'm also asking you the question, can you trust God? It's two different questions. The first question, can you trust God? Yes. Why? Because God is good and God is wise. The second question Can you trust God? The answer is yes, because God is sovereign and steadfast in His love towards His children. So because of these truths, because of the character of God, we see that God is the one who guides our hearts. He is the one who has opened our hearts and changed our hearts, opened our eyes so we might see Him and trust Him. God is completely sovereign. He is infinite in wisdom. He is perfect in love. These truths are true and they live today because they reflect the living God. You and I must trust God because He's in control and also because He is compassionate. Someone want to look up Lamentations chapter 3? Brother Jim, can you read that for me? Lamentations chapter 3, verses 32 and 33. And as he does that, we must remember it's not easy to trust God in the midst of adversity. Job chapter 5 says, Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Yes, that is true. It's not a scientific statement. It's a theological statement that we must trust God even in in our difficulties. So we continually turn to God and look to Him. <laughs> I had that happen to me earlier. Lamentations 3, verses Amen. Read verse 32 one more time, Brother Jim. Amen. So as he causes grief, as he allows things to happen, we see that he's also compassionate as he um, causes us to go through these things. We must realize 
man, men and women will face tribulation. We will face trouble. Since the fall of man in the garden, we have faced trouble. We recognize God is in control of the troubles we face. God ordains and He plans all of our troubles that we face. Matthew 10 reminds us that we can trust God because He watches over His creation. Someone want to read Matthew 10, 29-31? Who's got that for me? Matthew 10, 29-31. Stephen, go ahead. And Matthew 10. Yes, sir. Thank you. Amen. Reminds me of a song that we sang this morning. That God's eyes on the sparrow. He's watching over us. He cares for the sparrows. He'll definitely care for the, the, his children. He cares for us and the circumstances that affect us. God does not walk away and leave us. That is the God of deism. And that is not the God of the Bible. God cares for his children. If we want to know what is right, we turn to Scripture and we see the truth that God cares for us. Last week we looked at the glory of God and the sovereignty of God. Very briefly this evening, I want us to see the providence of God. The providence of God glorifies God and it outs. J.I. Packer defines providence this way. This is, I'll say at the outset, this is quite the definition. Maybe I'll uh, email it out this week. J.I. Packer defines providence this way, the unceasing activity of the Creator, whereby, in overflowing bounty and goodwill, He upholds His creatures in ordered existence, guides and governs all events, circumstances, and free acts of angels and men, and directs everything to its appointed goal for His own glory. And so I know that's a lot in the mouthful, a little bit wordy and cumbersome, but what he is saying is that God is directing all events, all circumstances, so that we might honor and glorify God. So God constantly cares for his creatures, and if that's the case, then nothing escapes his notice. God is not caught off guard. That is a a terrible doctrine uh, called open theism, where God is surprised by things. He is He is unaware of things. He's not powerful to do things. That is not true. God knows all things and nothing escapes his notice. Packer says, the unceasing activity of the Creator. So if there is an unceasing activity of the Creator, the Psalms even say, the Lord does not sleep or slumber. He is aware of all things. So if that's the case, we would do well to speak of the providence of God when we communicate all the events in our lives not just the good ones. I could say that after moving from Canada to Atala, Alabama, God and His providence brought me into contact with Haven Baptist Church, and after some time, I eventually became the pastor. Now, that is a true statement. That is a right and accurate statement. But I'm just talking about a good event. 
something good that happened to me. We must also talk about even bad events in the same light. And so you probably never heard someone say something like, in the providence of God, I had an accident and was paralyzed from the waist down. And this this would be a good description of Johnny Erickson Tata. But we must remember that God directs and guides our lives completely. And this includes good events and bad events. I was thinking of Scott Kemp actually in regards to this, as he, as they, him and Aaron and the family minister in South Africa, you know, they have to be careful in the ways that they teach the people there because if they're not careful, um, you can lump everything to the prosperity gospel and that every, anything that happens that's good is from God. Well, even the quote unquote bad activities are from God. In the providence of God, Aaron ended up in the hospital. And I'm sure there were some inconveniences and some times when they thought, well, Lord, can we just go a day early? I know it's a holiday. I know it's Sunday. Um, there was lots of inconveniences. But in those inconveniences, they were all under the authority of God. So God is sovereign, and we see the providence of God as he is guiding and governing all events, all circumstances, and directs everything to its appointed goal that we might honor and glorify God. Next week, we're going to talk more about the providence of God and what it means for us personally and how we apply that. Um, I'm going to talk about a book that I thought, um, I haven't read this book, but I thought it had quite a humorous title. Um, If God loves me, why can't I get my locker open? So we'll talk more about um, God's trials in our own lives then. Let us pray. Gracious Father, I thank you and praise you that you are with us here this evening. Lord, we thank you that you are watching over our lives, that you are sovereign. And Lord, I pray that we will trust you in each and every circumstance. Father, we thank you that you are um, directing us and that all things work together for the good for those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. So Lord, I pray that we will love you not just when good things happen, not just when we have a good day at work and when we're able to check things off of our lists. But Lord, I pray that we'll love you when there's many interruptions and when uh, things are not going the way we had thought they would. Lord, I pray that we will trust you and love you because we know that you are a good God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.